Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Ike Shepherdson. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Denver. Thank you, Pastor Tyler, for pastoring my kids. And I wanted to say um, to, to all of the ladies at Hope Denver, there are many ladies at Hope Denver who serve in Hope Kids. Um, you, you, uh, you are spiritual mothers to my three children. My wife, Kelsey, and I have three kids. And we have a lot of spiritual mothers who love our children week in and week out. You know who you are. You're probably on the, on the screen right now. Um, I just want you to know what you do as, as spiritual mothers is incredibly important for my kids, for the, the kids at Hope Denver. And if you have children and Hope Denver is new to you, um, and maybe you've just been joining us during quarantine, uh, you, this is a new, a new ministry to you, you should know that there are so many people who are spiritual mothers and fathers here at Hope Denver who, who, who care for children very well. Um, of course, they're all background checked and all those kinds of things. But uh, anyway, thank you so much to all of you. I also want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all of the moms who are joining us. To my mom, Bernita Shepherdson. I hope you're, you're listening today. Um, I love you. Thank you for always believing in me. Um, and happy Mother's Day to my wonderful wife, Kelsey. She's just right over here uh, helping with uh, some, of the, some of the PowerPoint stuff today. Um, you're an incredible pastor, leader. You're an incredible mother and friend to so many people. Um, thank you for being such a great mom. I love you with all of my heart. Happy Mother's Day to you. My wife started a series last week at Hope Denver on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Here's, here's a key question that we're dealing with in this series on the Holy Spirit. What would it look like if God was walking around with you all the time? What would it look like if, if you had God's actual presence in you? coaching you, protecting you? How would your life be different if you actually had God with you all of the time? Well, the thing is, is that Christians have always believed that God's spirit literally lives inside of those who acknowledge Jesus as their master, that God, God actually lives inside of you. This is something that, that uh, God's people have always believed. And in this series, we're going to teach you how to recognize that presence in you. Uh, how to recognize God's actual spirit and presence living inside of you. Uh, now, uh, now, if you would, please turn to John 15 in your Bible. If you have a Bible, uh, if you don't have a physical Bible, I recommend the YouVersion app, the YouVersion app. Um, and you are hearing my kids in the background. Um, they're not making Mother's Day the easiest right this very moment, but they're wonderful kids, and so we'll give them a pass on that. Uh, but turn to John 15. What we're going to read today is part of Jesus' farewell address, their farewell, his farewell address. This is the time where Jesus washed his disciples' feet, if that sounds familiar. Um, he taught them how to receive communion, uh, a practice that Christians still reenact today when we receive the bread and the cup together. And he instructed them about the Holy Spirit. What he says to them is he says, key to being close to God is remaining in his love. And he uses some different analogies for this. He talks about a vine and a branch. And if you're a branch, you need to remain in the vine. You need to stay connected to God's love. He says to, to continue to be committed to loving God and to loving other people. And he even says that if you're a follower of his, if you're one of Jesus' followers, that is, if you apprentice your life to Jesus' life, that people are going to hate you. But that's actually going to be a common thing, that Jesus' followers are going to be hated. But what he says is, is key. He says, do not return hatred for hatred. You're going to be hated, but don't return that hatred. And if you're honest, and I, and I am I'm trying to be too, you've thought a little bit about love and hatred this week. 
We thought a little bit about that. This weekend, we mourn yet another black man, Ahmad Arbery, who was murdered uh, in February by white racists. I will never know what it's like to be afraid to jog in my neighborhood. I will never know what it's like to be afraid for my son's life. I, as a white man, I'll never understand this. And the truth is that people who look a lot like me have been practicing hatred for a long time. And hatred is like any sin. It's like a muscle that gets strengthened with use. The more that you exercise the muscle of hatred, the stronger it gets, and the easier it is to just act and think and live with hatred. And even against white supremacists, it's easy for, for some of us to have hatred towards them. When you see systems of oppression and hatred, it's easy to respond with hatred towards those who perpetuate and build up those systems. But I think that the words of the civil rights leader, John Perkins, are incredibly important for us today. And I'm going to read these words at length right now because he really should be teaching us how to respond to hatred as he follows Jesus. He says this. He says, on some days, it seems that we as a people are practicing genocide, but I think there's hope. And I think that hope is waiting for us right where it's always been, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm hopeful because all reconciliation, all reconciliation begins with the recognition of brokenness. And we see the evidence of our brokenness laid bare in our news and communities every day. I'm hopeful, Perkins says, because I sense the presence and empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the movements of young people who are striving to follow the Great Commission into the world, preaching the gospel to every ethnic group. They're taking to heart Paul's words in Galatians when he speaks of our oneness. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I'm hopeful because we are living in a Pentecostal moment when God is ready to pour out the spirit on all people to empower those who are willing to be part of something courageous, something that's worth giving our lives for. Paul said, I die daily because he knew you have to live every day like you're willing to die for what is right. Perkins finishes this way. He says, we have grace justification, and full redemption. And because of those gifts of God in Christ Jesus, we can find in ourselves the forgiveness, love, and welcome that we need to offer each other. Jesus told his friends that people would know they were his disciples if they loved one another. Our love is our witness. Love is the final fight. Today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, who lives in the hearts of the followers of Jesus. The Spirit of Truth convicts us, the Spirit of Truth challenges us and reminds us to look to Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask for your mercy upon us who perpetuate systems of hatred. We ask for mercy on our country and we ask that you would, you would rise up a generation of people filled with the Holy Spirit. We pray for your comfort for those who mourn today. We pray that we would be people who welcome the Holy Spirit's challenge, correction, conviction, and ultimately consolation. 
and we're ready to listen to the Bible tonight. If, if wherever you are right now, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, just say to God, I'm open to you. I'm willing to learn something today. Speak to me, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. The spirit of truth convicts us, challenges us, and reminds us to look to Jesus. That's what we're focusing on today. Let's look at John 15, verse 26 and following, and this is the word of the Lord. Jesus says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. This is where Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the advocate. The word for this in Greek is parakletos, the paraclete. And this is really a way of saying that Jesus is sending a counselor, a friend, a helper. It's the person who defends you when you're in a court case. And it's into this context of a hateful and anxious world that Jesus spent, sends the Holy Spirit. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit into this world. And so uh, instead of responding to hate with hatred, we respond with a testimony about Jesus. So what is this testimony? about Jesus. What is the testimony? It's that in the man Jesus, God has come to rule and redeem the world with a kingdom of reconciliation, forgiveness, and peace. That's the message about Jesus. In Jesus, God has created a kingdom of reconciliation and peace and forgiveness. And what that means for us is that we need to turn from self-worship to worshiping Jesus as the true king. We need to turn from hatred of others to Jesus' love and Jesus' acceptance and forgiveness. We, if we're followers of Jesus, that is, if we're apprenticing our lives to Jesus' life, that means that we turn to him and make our lives all about his message, all about who he is. Let's look at, at chapter 16 now in verse 1. All this, Jesus continues, I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. So what we do as followers of Jesus is we make our lives message all about Jesus. But in return, we're going to see hatred from the world. We're going to see that from the world. Today in China, in Pakistan, in Guinea, Mali, Saudi Arabia, and in many other countries around the world, Christians are being harassed, intimidated, and killed because they have allegiance to Jesus, because they're associated with him. Now, here in the USA, we're not really in danger of the same kinds of things, but you should expect that if you're a follower of Jesus, that there's going to be people who will reject you. Either they won't understand you, or worse, they may think that you're, that you're incredibly odd and off-putting, and they just won't reject you. They won't accept you into their lives. Um, the call for us, then, is that we're called to persevere, even if we suffer for following Jesus. Even if, even if we're, we're following him, we need to persevere. We, need, we can't fall away. Don't give up. Christianity is, isn't easy. So we need to keep up our prayer lives. We need to keep sacrificing our money to give it away to other people. We need to keep saying no to ourselves 
and keep saying yes to a love for Jesus and others. So don't be discouraged. And maybe that's some of you. Maybe you've, you've, you've experienced a little bit of mild persecution, maybe a mild rejection of some kind. Don't be overwhelmed. Keep fixing your eyes on Jesus. Keep following him. Don't give up. Keep going in your walk with him. Now, you may have less worldly success if you follow Jesus. That's possible. Maybe some people will think you're an oddball. But you will have life to the fullest, the very best kind of life if you follow Jesus. Look at verse 4. Jesus continues, I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. He's talking about the Father. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. So what Jesus is telling his disciples is that he's about to leave them, which of course he did. In about 44 days, Jesus dies, uh, or sorry, Jesus dies very soon after this. He rises from the dead, and, and 40 days after that, he ascends into heaven. He returns to God the Father. And what Jesus is saying is difficult for his followers to hear. The disciples are hearing that they would be persecuted and that their rabbi, who has kind of helped them to get through all of the trouble to date, is no longer going to be physically with them. He's saying, I'm not going to be here with you. They've already felt this opposition. They already knew that the Jewish religious leaders and some of the ruling authorities, that they, they, didn't, they didn't accept them. They rejected their message. They don't really know what's next for them, but they're worried about their safety. Even Jesus says that they're going to put you out of the synagogue and persecute you. They're worried for their very safety and even for their lives. But what Jesus is saying is that they don't just need to have God with them, walking next to them, like Jesus was doing as their rabbi. He's saying that they need God living inside of them. See, this, this is important to understand about Jesus. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, was limited. That does nothing to impugn his divinity. Jesus is still God, but he was limited. He could only be in one place at a time. You see in the New Testament that Jesus didn't exercise his ability to have omniscience. He temporarily suspended the use of his omniscience. So Jesus was limited. He was with his followers, but he could only be in one place at a time. So what Jesus is saying is that you need something better than that. You need something that doesn't have those same limitations. He's saying that if the Holy Spirit lives inside of each of Jesus' followers, that means that they are walking around with divine power and presence and wisdom all of the time, all of the time. He's saying that they're going to be better off for this. He's saying that life will be better for them because God's spirit will be in them. And this is important for you and me. In the middle of our challenges and our confusions, in the middle of our anxieties and our fears, you and I have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God living inside of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have everything that you need to succeed in life living inside of you. And it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. See, the thing is that American culture, American culture is a culture of self-reliance. 
American culture is a culture of self-reliance, but God's culture is a culture of spirit reliance. Really practically, recently I had a conversation where I had to confront somebody about something that they did that actually cost me a lot of money. Somebody had, had done something that made me lose out on earning a lot of money. <laughs> and so I had to confront them about this. Now this person I, that I had to confront is, is older than me and more established uh, in, in, in the career than I am. But I had to confront this person. And I, here's what I did before I met this person. I simply said, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to have wisdom in this conversation. And that was it. Very simple, short prayer. Hopefully this is practical for you. The conversation went great. Uh, this person apologized to me and I had grace from God to offer forgiveness. It was easy for me to say, yeah, I forgive you. It didn't, it didn't really hurt that much to say, I forgive you. Now I've had times where that kind of conversation did not go well. But even in those times, I had grace from God to not replay that conversation again and again in my head. I had grace from God to be able to say, okay, well, I've done what I was supposed to do. And that's because I have God's spirit living inside of me. See, what you and I need in those kinds of moments is we need God helping us with his presence and with his power. See, what the Holy Spirit does is he causes us to rise to the occasion. He causes us to have courage. He causes us to have conviction. He causes us to be people of grace rather than people of wrath, people of love rather than people of hatred. See, when you lack, when you're weak, when you recognize that you're empty, this is when the spirit of truth fills you up with his abundance, his strength, and his fullness. I hope wherever you are, you're saying an amen. You and I need that in our lives. Let's look at verse 8. Jesus says, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The prince of this world now stands condemned. The spirit of truth is also the spirit of conviction. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts the world for its sin of disbelief. Uh, it's easy to think that not believing in Jesus is like morally neutral, but unwillingness to believe is actually a sin. If you're unwilling to open up your heart to God, that's actually a sin. And it's important to see that it's the Holy Spirit who brings this charge against people. It's not, it's not my job and it's not another Christian's job to bring the charge of unbelief against somebody else. It's the Holy Spirit's job, and that's what he does so well. The Holy Spirit also provides conviction on what true goodness is. He tells us what true goodness really is, what righteousness is. See, the world's version of righteousness is that you should be true to yourself. Be your most authentic self. Of course, this is incredibly problematic. If, if righteousness is being true to yourself, what if in your truest self you enjoy hurting other people? That doesn't make any sense at all. See, what Jesus does is he shows us a more authentic path towards righteousness, the true kind of righteousness, and he shows us that through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also provides judgment against the devil. 
The Christian view of reality is that there is a real spiritual devil who accuses God's people in an attempt to draw them away from God. He'll tell you that you're not good enough. If you've ever heard that voice inside of your head, it's probably the devil. That's not you. It's the devil. He'll tell you that you're worthless. He'll tell you that you don't fit in. He'll tell you that you're ugly. He'll tell you that you're stupid. He'll tell you that you could never be a leader. You could never be a preacher. You can't step up. You don't have it in you. But God exposes all of these things as lies. And I would challenge you to think about what kinds of lies do you hear inside of your head? See, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, will tell you the truth about who you really are. And maybe for you today, all you need to do is just say, God, what are those lies? Expose those things. And that same spirit will tell you what the truth is. Let's look at verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. These verses are incredibly important right here. Because remember, Jesus in his earthly ministry, he couldn't impart everything that we could possibly need to know. Our world is different from the New Testament world. He couldn't tell us every little thing. Of course, he's not going to contradict himself. What he's saying is that God is going to continue to speak to us. This is incredibly important. God will continue to talk. We can expect that God will continue to lead us into the truth. Guys, I turned 36 this year. I turned 36 years old, and I am regularly confused about my situation. <laughs> I am regularly confused about my job, about the world around me. But when I turn to the spirit of truth, who lives inside of me. He gives me conviction on what to do next. I may not see the entire game, but I see the next play. I may not see the whole path, but I see the next step. See, when I turn to God and I say, fill me with your spirit, he shows me the next thing. So even when I'm confused, he's still talking to me. And you should expect that as you learn to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice, that he'll show you what the next thing is for you to do. If you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll be amazed at how God turns disappointment into victory, how he takes confusion and he turns it into conviction, how he takes anxiety and he turns it into peace. Let's look at verse 14. Jesus says, he will glorify me, the Holy Spirit will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The spirit of truth always points to Jesus. The spirit of truth always points us to Jesus. The Bible calls Jesus the true light who enlightens everyone. It calls him the giver of wisdom and the source of true knowledge. The Holy Spirit is always taking our attention, pardon me, and he's turning it to Jesus. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, what he wants to do is to draw you to worship Jesus more and more. 